the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. It's amazing. Actually, it's always been amazing. Uh, I, I talk about this quite often. I'm not sure how many people are actually listening, but that's okay. Uh, just kind of looking around and seeing what's going on in uh, financial markets and just have a lot of noise, a tremendous amount of noise. And the market's really, it's been pretty horrible this year and uh, it's down quite a bit, but uh, that's just the way it goes. You know, I, it's only new to people who haven't seen this before or haven't been watching the markets for any length of time. But, uh, I'm telling you, I remember back in 1988, that was when Peter Lynch, uh, released. Well, I I take that back. He, it was 1991. He was talking about 1987 and 1988 in the book, uh, one up on wall street. And for those of you that don't know Peter Lynch, which is probably about two thirds of the audience right now. And I'm, I'm aging myself. The, uh, he was a portfolio manager at Fidelity Investments, and he managed this fund called the Magellan Fund. And during his tenure, he ran it for 13 years. He was the number one portfolio manager over that entire time period. And so he wrote a couple books, several books, actually. I think there were three in, in total. And I wanted to read it because I knew who he was. It was a legend. You know, he had actually outperformed Warren Buffett. That name ring a bell? Uh, you know, it's hard for me to believe that Warren Buffett's in his nineties, but then I look around and my next birthday in February, I'm going to be 60. <laughs> I just can't believe that either. <laughs> Not until I look in the mirror. Yeah. I, I, I scare myself every single day. I go in and look in the mirror and I think somebody broke into my home. It takes me a minute to realize that that's me in the mirror. <laughs> Some old guy broke in my house. <laughs> anyway. So he was talking about uh, how volatile stocks were and, you know, I'm, I'm reading it and, 
Uh, Warren Buffett wrote about how the average stock you know, has about a 50% average range per year. And I'm still surprised because I've been talking about those books <laughs> this entire time or well, the entire time that I've been on the radio, which I wasn't, I started in 1996, which is hard to believe, but, uh, and I was talking about this the entire time and, and I still come across an awful lot of people who just don't realize how volatile stocks are in the long run. Stocks have outperformed just about every other investment on the planet and in the, uh, better than bonds, better than gold, better than real estate. Uh, now there are people that have made billions in real estate. They were developers. It's not the same thing. <laughs> the passive investors in real estate have done pretty good. If you go back over really long time periods, but over the past five or 10 years, not as well. And, uh, by the way, when you invest in real estate, if you're going to be, if you're going to outperform the stock market, you're going to work hard. You're going to earn that money. I can visually see all the people that invest in real estate nodding their heads going, yes, <laughs> you have to work hard. But uh, So as far as a passive investment goes, the stock market's been one of the best. Uh, valuations on it are they're actually slightly high now, even after the market's come down quite a bit. Not nearly as bad as they were just a few months ago. So that's actually a good thing especially if you're relatively young or if you're reinvesting dividends, that's a good thing for you. All those dividends are buying more shares at cheaper prices. And that's a concept that, you know, you don't hear a lot about in mainstream television anymore. I guess they felt like it's too old fashioned, but it's still true. doesn't matter how old it is. It's still true. <laughs> when you're investing in, in funds, you're in your 401k plan and you're putting money in there. You've got a, uh, plan where you're taking money out of your check and, and putting it into the, a stock fund. Don't get upset. Now, these low prices are not going to stay here forever. And you're, every dollar you put in the market buys more shares because the prices are lower. And when the market goes up a lot, if you're reinvesting, let's say you're just reinvesting the dividend. When the dividend, when the market goes down, the dividends are buying more shares because they're on sale. They're buying it at cheaper prices. It's like, let's say you're going to put hundred dollars into the market and the, and the stock that you want to buy is 50 bucks or is, is also a hundred dollars. Let's say it's a hundred bucks. So you're going to take a hundred dollars. You're going to buy one share and six months from now it's selling at 50, which is pretty common. It's not completely uncommon for a, well, it's pretty common for mid and mall cap stocks, large cap stocks that range probably down to 75 up to 125. That would be your 50% range for your 50, 50 points. The, uh, anyway, the bottom line is that hundred bucks that you put in, you bought one share last month. Now it's down to 50. Guess what? Now you're going to get two, two for one. And the stock market is, is the only market in the world where people are literally crying when they have a sale. When stock prices go on sale and you're buying, your money is buying a whole lot more shares. People are upset about that. And there's nothing really to be upset about. I mean, you're getting better deals. Uh, if you have a, a fund, let's say one of the high quality dividend funds, you know, the, the, the dividends are reinvesting every month. Those dividends are buying more shares because the prices are lower. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. By the way, that brings up a really important topic. When an awful lot of people get to retirement age, they say, I don't want to reinvest my dividends at all. I just want you to pay them out. Um, you know what? That that's actually probably not the best idea because 
you will miss the opportunity to buy more shares at lower prices. Okay. Because if you're spending the dividend and the share prices are dropping, well, that's, you know, it's very uncomfortable as well, but then, and then you're not getting the opportunity to reinvest at those lower prices. What I would suggest to do instead is take four or 5%, whatever that number needs to be out of the account somewhere in January and just draw that down over the entire year so that the dividends that you're going to get are going to reinvest just in case the market goes down, you will still be buying. You'll still be buying shares. That's really important. So uh, I'm going to kind of leave that, that, that topic alone for now. We'll come back to it a little bit later, but uh, normally I talk about the economy first and then I start talking about financial markets, but I'm going to go to the economy second today. We will get to the fixed income area uh, before the end of the show, but uh, economy, I pay a lot of money for some pretty good services, uh, institutional research, and I'm amazed. I, I am amazed at how strong the economy is. That's why the Fed's raising interest rates. That's why they're looking at not backing off. Now that Russia's playing games and you know in Saudi Arabia, they're cutting the uh, supply of oil. You know what? Go ahead. Go ahead and do that. You're digging your own grave because the more you do that, the more we are going to rely that the more money goes into the development of cars who run on hydrogen, cars that run on electricity. Yeah, those two industries are huge. Uh, You're boosting the solar panel business because you're making it so expensive to drive the cars that those are the alternatives now. And uh, in the long run, yeah, you might get some money in the short run. In the long run, uh, it's going to cost you. But, you know, I guess that's inevitable anyway, just because of, of climate change and whatnot. But it just uh, drives me crazy to see how countries try to take advantage of the rest of the world. But, you know, it's been that way since the beginning of time. And one of the reasons that the United States has done so well, incidentally, is because our money supply and how the Fed has managed that. They, they do a good job managing interest rates. Should they be raising interest rates now? I don't know. Uh, are they going to? Probably. Is that good for stock? It makes it hard on stocks. I mean, think about it. Most companies have to finance their inventory. The vet, Well, not most, but a, a large percentage of companies have to borrow money to buy raw materials to turn it into a product to sell it. So when they have to borrow money and a year ago they were paying next to nothing, okay, and now they're paying 5 or 6%, and it's in the billions, or at least hundreds of millions, mostly a lot of them are in billions, that's expensive. And what, what's 5% of a billion? $50 million, you know, so that, that's a lot of extra money that's going out the window that's not going to the bottom line. That's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons that stocks have a tendency to go down when they start raising interest rates, because a lot of companies have a lot of short-term debt and they refinance, you know, inventories, uh, that happens all the time, especially in the rust belts and, uh, we had still have a bunch of heavy equipment manufacturing and that kind of stuff. Um, not very, not as common as it used to be, but that, that hurts. Um, people that are going to look to buy a house, you know, if you were close, if on the, uh, for qualifying for the, the down their house payment, 
and then they raise interest rates up by a half a percent or so, that could that could kick you right out of the, the market. You may not be able to get that house financed. So it has a big impact on that. And uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. I, I'm still surprised by how strong the overall GDP is. Uh, it'll be really interesting. But right now the Fed is raising rates. They're trying to uh, squash inflation. And most of the inflation, incidentally, is coming from uh, supply chain issues and the fact that there's a war. And I just don't know that you'll stop a war by raising interest rates. You know, that's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that that can happen. Maybe it can, but uh, maybe they're saying, you know, we don't care. Uh, There are all these other issues that are going on and we need to, you know, we need to slow it down because when you do get super high inflation, like you do now, you know, there's a, uh, actually I used to do this little experiment at most seminars. I would, I would have people raise their hands. How many of you would like to see your money cut in half over prices doubling? And uh, almost nobody raised their their hand. Okay, how many people would rather see prices double than see their money get cut in half? Everybody raises their hand. (laughs) I'm like, you realize you're in the exact same position. (laughs) So... If prices double and your assets don't grow, it's the same thing as your money getting cut in half. There's no difference. It's just a, a preference in how your your purchasing power is going to drop. <laughs> and uh, and I understand, but and that's one of the reasons that the government keeps printing more money is that they understand that the public would prefer that. <laughs> we prefer that prices double we hate it when we see the value of our assets get cut in half and uh so and i understand completely so it's just one of those things that it is what it is and they're going to continue to raise interest rates right now interest rates on fixed income products are at the highest levels they've been for over i think over a decade now i have to go back and double check that or fact check it and uh yeah so that's that's really it's kind of wild that you're seeing the, I didn't think we'd see these interest rates again for a long time. And so if you're looking at fixed income, you're looking at things like treasury bills, I I think our CDs, I think that's a good idea. If you're looking for bond funds, you only want to go super short-term bond funds. You you want the, there's a, uh, there's a number there that they use. It's called duration and you don't have to know what it is. You can Google it if you want. But you want a duration of less than two years right now. Okay. So those are the types of funds right now that they, they don't go down a lot when interest rates go up. If you look at what the 20 year uh, ETF bond fund has done over the past 18 months or so, it's down almost as much as the stock market. I mean, think about that. And it's holding government bonds. We'll talk about why that is when we come back. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. When I sit back and imagine life without you, I can't fathom how I ever thought I'd make it on my own. And there's at least a million reasons I'm still standing here believing. You're my comfort, you're my healing. This I know. I can't see the wind, but it moves the leaves from the bottom to the top of the tallest trees. You are everything that I ever need, and they can't take that from me. Oh, I feel it in my heart. I feel it. 
What did nine out of ten people who died from COVID have in common? They were 50 or older. And if you have a condition like heart disease or diabetes, your risk is even higher. COVID vaccines lower the risk of death. Get your updated vaccine now. It could save your life. We can do this. Find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Dr. Sebastian Gorka is here to set the record straight. Never did I think that a president would, in fact, take those documents out of the White House and leave them in an unsecured area. So Mar-a-Lago uh, is not an unsecured facility if it's guarded by the Secret Service. Am I right there, Eric? Help me out. I like to think the Secret Service do a great job at protecting their people. Okay. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The answer. And Odyssey. The Cleveland Grays Armory is pleased to announce that they will be hosting their second annual historic tea on Sunday, October the 23rd. This event will feature a presentation by jewelry historian Dr. Marie Halkovich entitled Glitz and Glamour in the White House, featuring the jewelry and fashion of the Ohio Presidential First Ladies, offering a glimpse of Ohio's fashion and influence in the White House. Tickets are $45, and there will be tea, light fare, lecture, raffles, and more. To get your tickets, go to 2022grayesarmoryhistorictea.eventbrite.com. That's 2022grayesarmoryhistorictea.eventbrite.com. And you can also get more information at grayesarmory.org. Do you ever find yourself saying, I need a vacation? Vacation Fixation can help. At Vacation Fixation, we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to Mexico, the Caribbean, and Disney vacations. Why choose us? Our clients book through Vacation Fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams. Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation. Is it finally time to update your bathroom? Bath Planet, a division of Joyce Factory Direct, specializes in replacing and converting old showers and tubs into new beautiful bathrooms in as little as one day. We have transformed thousands of bathrooms just like yours into a spa-like oasis that has homeowners excited to use their new bathtub or shower. Right now, all bath installations are 50% off. So call to schedule a free consultation with on-the-spot pricing. 440-243-5700 or visit JoyceFactoryDirect.com. Sometimes when it rains, it pours. <laughs> Just remember, the storm is darkest right before it gets pitch black. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I forgot what that I forgot what that saying is. 
Darkest Before the Dawn, um, something like that. Anyway, that's that seems to be what. Uh, pardon me. Oh, the calm before the storm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, do you know that in uh, really bad storms, in the middle of the storm, uh, like hurricanes, that it's, there's actually calm air, and uh, it's the outside of the storms that the planes get really out to worry about that have to fly in that stuff. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember Dick Goddard. He was a weatherman for years and years and years. That guy came to my school when I was in the sixth grade. He must have lived to 120. <laughs> But he came to my. I was in the sixth grade. He came to school. He was a meteorologist in the military, and one of his jobs was he had to get him one of these planes that would fly literally through the worst storms that came up. He would been going through this one here uh, that just hit Florida, and they would have to fly through it. And they would take all these measurements when they were there. And that's where I learned about how calm it was in the center of the storm. Kind of interesting. Kind of like being in the stock market. You need to be calm in the center of the storm. You see things swirling around you and you still have to remain uh, calm and keep your composure. And you'll come out on the other side pretty good if you can do that. And uh, everybody's a little bit different, by the way. You know, we talk about this quite often. And I just got through another compliance. Um, I go, I put myself through these audits uh like every other year or so just to make sure I'm staying compliant. And we talk about risk tolerances and I've gotten my compliance firm to add to my uh, risk tolerance questionnaire. One simple question that I think is probably, it's my opinion that it's the uh, best way to figure out what your risk tolerance really is. And this is the question. Imagine your portfolio is invested and you're down 15%. Are you upset? I mean, are you to the point where you're losing sleep? If the answer is no, let's take 20%. Well, literally write down the value of their portfolio, all their savings, take off 15%. Are you upset yet? Take off 20%. Are you upset yet? What number is it where you think you might be losing sleep? Mine's 40. If I'm down 40%, I'm probably a little worried about that. Okay. So 40%, if I'm going to double that number, that gives that means I can put up to 80% of my money. That's our methodology, by the way. We can double the decline tolerance, and that's what we're going to put in stocks. And not that that's actually going to stop right at 40%. I mean, I, I understand it could go lower than that. But if you look at the number of times that stocks have been down 50% or more, it's probably a dozen. I think you have to go back to the depression to find when stocks were down more than that. And during the depression, we didn't have an FDIC. Uh, a bank could literally call your note in in 30 days. You had 30 days to pay it off. That's one of the reasons that was so bad. They also had no regulation over their trust departments, which were buying stocks that the banks themselves were bringing public. So they're bringing these companies public and sticking them in their client accounts. <laughs> That's not good. But well, it could be good, but a lot of very risky. So anyway, the, uh, I just, I do this all the time. I, uh, so many things pop up in my head that I can't even remember the, uh, uh the path I was <laughs> going down. 
So anyway, we're talking about, oh yeah, risk tolerance. If you have more than 50% of your money in stocks and you're not looking at the possibility of a 25 to 35% decline in that account value, then I think you're making a mistake, you know, because hopefully it doesn't happen, but it's happened multiple times during my lifetime. And if it were to happen again, I'd hate to see you upset to the point that you got, you were just pulling out of the market. And I see that a lot. That is such a bad thing to do. I mean, it's just horrendous. And I've seen all these reports. In fact, I've got one with me here that talks about, you know, focusing on the long run, not trying to pull out. Now I've seen a ton of this. And every time I bring something like this up, by the way, you know, what happens if you missed the the five best days? A uh, Let's see here. And this is going back from 1980. You put $10,000 in and you stayed in the S&P 500 the entire time period. Didn't pull any money out. Didn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> By the way, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> the 10000 would be over a million bucks. If you happen to miss the five best days during that entire time period since 1980, that million dollars drops to 655000 if you were out of the market, the 10 best days, it drops down to 472,000. So from a million bucks down to 472,000 by missing the 10 best days. If you miss the 30 best days, it drops to 171,000. You believe that? It drops from a million bucks down to 171,000 because you're out of the market on the 30 best days. Missing the 50 best days, you might as well just put the money in a money market account. <laughs> Literally, because it only grew to 75,000 bucks. And over that time period, a money market account would have done better than that. That that blows my mind. Not in the last 10 years, by the way. Money markets in the last 10 years have paid nothing. So that's even what that bad period put in there. Now, every time I brought this up, I have people going to calling me up and emailing me saying, hey, well, you should see what happens when you catch capture the 10 when you capture the 10 best days and the, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, when you avoid the 10 worst days, yeah. when you avoid the worst days, your return goes up even more. Yeah. But see, here's the problem with that. You actually have to have a crystal ball that works to figure that out. You have to have a crystal ball that works both ways. It's got to tell you what the worst 10 days are. And it's got to tell you when the best 10 days are. In other words, you have to know exactly what to do at the exact right times. And if you don't, by the way, your returns are going to come up significantly lower than they should be. So that's a, uh, uh, if you, anybody wants to see this, you can go to my website and request it. Just say, I would like to see that article on timing the market. And I will be glad to send it to you. Anybody that's already signed up for my newsletter gets it automatically. So this is one of the stories uh, that went out this week. And I just, I'm telling you, I've seen so much stuff and I still get these bright eye, bushy tail phone calls from people who think that, you know, I found something new. No, you haven't. <laughs> you have not. <laughs> I hate to be so dramatic, but the, uh, I'm trying to make a point. I spent the better part of, I don't know, 
four or five years learning to code and buying data was super expensive to try to do the same thing that a whole bunch of hedge funds have done for an incredibly long time period. And that's figuring out how to try to time the market. That's how I know that the resistance is futile. (laughs) Don't try and do that. I mean, even when it worked, it didn't work like you wanted it to. There were more losing trades than there were winning trades. It, they, it still made more money, but the, um, the amount of time that you would have to put in for the increase in returns that you might have gotten, not worth it. I'm telling you, and you don't have to listen to me. And I know nine out of 10 of you won't. You'll be just like I was. You're going to go down that path, except that you're not going to spend the money on the software. By the way, that 5,000 bucks, that was in 1995 dollars. Yeah, a lot more money back then. And the computer I had to have to to run that was 3600 bucks. I remember that stuff like it was yesterday. A lot of money back in the mid-90s before some of you were even born. <laughs> and then I had to pay tutors to teach me how to write code. <laughs> so that was the, uh, that was re- I really wanted to know. I mean, I really wanted to know. And you know what's really funny too? I used that same software to be able to do some uh, um, individual momentum investing. And then as the software got better, you know, got more expensive, I was able to build even better models. And then this little thing called an exchange-traded traded fund came along. And these guys were doing the same thing I was doing on a much larger scale. And now I don't have to do that stuff anymore because they lobbied and got all their short-term capital gains converted into long-term capital gains. You don't even have to report until you sell the shares for most of them, which is mind-boggling. And you'd be an idiot to continue to do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> if you don't know how to identify those funds, it's, you know, give me a call. Or, yeah, just give me a call. I won't tell you it's easy, though. I mean, it was never easy. Making money in stocks has never been easy. It's simple and the simple stuff tends to work fairly well. That's one of the things I got out of doing all that testing is that, by the way, the people at Dell, their salesman had me on speed dial. The minute they knew that that was my key, 25% improvement in speed. If it's not 25% faster, I don't want it. I'm going to test it and I'm going to send it back. And uh, so they would call me, I mean, like clockwork. And it was so funny. For about four years there, I was buying a new computer, oh, probably once a quarter, once every six months, because it would get faster. And it would take a, a what normally took an entire weekend when I first started doing it. That's how long it took to do that many iterations. It would change one of the variables, run the program again, change the variable, run it again, change it, run it again. And it's doing it over decades worth of data. Okay. So over a weekend, I just let it run and I'd get about a million simulations in a weekend. And then it got to the point where it was coming down to five or six hours. I was going, wow, that's amazing. And then it got down to less than an hour and I'm going, holy cow. And that's when the ETFs got, (laughs) got started. They came in and uh, now if you can literally I mean, if you can come up with a strategy that's halfway decent, 
there's at least four or five funds that are doing that exact thing. And you know what the ad- advantage is? If you, first of all, if you can recognize what it's doing, what are those key, they like to call them factors. What are those key factors that have shown to produce above average returns in the long run in the past? Okay. You're not allowed to project that out into the, into the future if you're sitting in my shoes. Um, but what has worked well, which factors have worked well in the past? Can't guarantee that they'll continue to work. That's why you really need to take some logic, use some common sense. And even then things are going to change. They will change over time. And you'll watch, if you follow the markets closely enough, you'll see funds coming out that are trying to take advantage of changes that are occurring in markets. And I, I know this is not what most of you like to sit around doing in your free time, uh, which is why I have a job. <laughs> I like doing it. <laughs> I do it for a living. And uh, it's fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating. I, you know, it'd be really funny. It wouldn't be that funny, actually. But if you showed somebody the inside of an exchange-traded fund that had some basis in momentum and was holding only 50 stocks, when you saw the turnover inside it's kind of like watching sausage being made now i've never watched sausage being made you know because i've heard of that and i've heard the description not really interested maybe that would be a good youtube video it's probably out there somebody's making sausage somewhere but the uh but i but i understand what they're saying and i'm telling you it's the same thing with a stock fund you do not want to see what's going on inside Because if you do, it may scare you out. Now, you're going to need some of this to be able to make money. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after these commercial messages. This is Bill Bullington on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. It's up inside your head. You got a voice that sounds. You won't get past this one. You won't win your freedom. It's like a constant war. Do you ever find yourself saying, I need a vacation? Vacation Fixation can help. At Vacation Fixation, we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to Mexico, the Caribbean, and Disney vacations. Why choose us? Our clients book through Vacation Fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams. Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation. My first ride along was with Jamal, even before I was hired. They wanted me to see everything from the ground level before moving forward. And it was awesome. 
The first time I came in, I got to sit in on a meeting and never realized that plumbers have that level of organization and sophistication to their operations. And I say that as a former degree project manager as well as an Air Force vet. After getting out of the service, my wife and I moved to Cleveland and I just wasn't happy with the corporate style desk jobs. So I prayed for a sign. That next morning, my best friend called me about this radio ad on the fish for a company he thought would be perfect for me. And he was right. Why it works was a godsend. You have to want to help people. But if you do, this job is fulfilling in ways that the right person won't find anywhere else. If you want that for your life, call us direct and consider it done at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. Wallach Doodle. No doubt about it, we're spending more time at home, which is the perfect time to make it more functional and beautiful. Hi, Ed Flash Ferentz here for Artistic Renovations, Northeast Ohio's premier and award-winning remodeler. Artistic did a fantastic job with our kitchen in 2016, and last year, they were back for the master bath. Oh, my word. Do yourself a favor and go to ArtisticReno.com. Believe me, you'll love their ideas and without question the finished product. For a virtual consultation, call 216-520-0838 or visit ArtisticReno.com. Thinking about updating your home? Well, Joyce Factory Direct specializes in replacing old, outdated windows. Proudly made right here in Cleveland, Joyce Windows features their exclusive Smart Shield High Performance Glass, which means you'll be getting the most energy-efficient windows for your home directly from the factory. Customers just love how much warmer their house is and how easy their new windows operate and clean. Right now, you can save 50% on all installations. Just call to schedule a free consultation with on-the-spot pricing, 440-243-5700, or visit JoyceFactoryDirect.com. I was thinking to myself, made a list of all my mistakes Oh, I wish I could have run to you And tell you all about my heartbreak And I wondered to myself, wait a minute, am I even on the right path now? Had a couple wins, but I got knocked down But I know that you are here right now And you say sometimes you lose, sometimes you win Ooh, you gotta get up, up again Wow, what a perfect song. <laughs> That's exactly what investing is like. You're going to get knocked down, you got to get right back up. Just keep getting up. And uh, it's amazing how well that works over time. Not very complicated. <laughs> and that's one of the things I really feel bad about with uh, for people out there. Because I still, uh, I started studying some other book and I was halfway through this one book. It's 600 pages. And this guy did a lot of the same things I was doing over the, the several years that I was developing models on my own because these didn't exist at the time as investment options. So the book is, the, uh, I like it. It's fascinating to me. It's literally all statistics. Can you imagine being excited by 600 pages of statistics? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't have imagined that either when I was younger, but to me, it's it's really interesting because it goes deep into the psychology of investing and what you think should happen typically is the opposite of the way it actually happens, which is why people get so upset and they start, you know, when markets are down, instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, this is probably a good thing. Uh, first of all, it keeps markets from getting 
super overvalued and staying super overvalued. So you have a 10 year negative return period like you did through 2000 through 2010. Anybody remember those days? Not, not a lot of people remember that actually. Um, but when I was coming up in the business, there was a period through the late 1960s, all the way up through 1982 where the Dow Jones was flat. Well, it wasn't flat. It was really volatile the entire time. And it ended up where it began. Now, back in those days, you had a dividend yield that was fairly high on the Dow with like four or 5% somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe six, but long-term government bonds had gotten up to a peak of like 15%, a lot better than a five or 6% dividend with, you know, assets that are fluctuating like crazy, right? So, a portion of your portfolio belongs in something safe like that. In fact, one of the things that uh, you know Peter Lynch, I was telling talking about it earlier on this show, he had uh, the best track record of anybody in the stock market for I think it was a thirteen year period. And what was really funny about that is he had almost half the money in bonds. And when I read that in the book, I was like, "What? What? What are you?" T- you're supposed to be in stocks, not bonds. And uh, so I looked it up and sure enough, you know, we wasn't, wasn't exaggerating. So, and I'm looking at it, I'm going, wait a minute. Okay. So he bought bonds when they were down around 14, 15%. If he would have bought them at the exact right time, it would have been about a year and a half earlier. That would have been a better buying price, but he did make the shift and he went in a big way. Because when interest rates come down, when the bond you're holding is paying 150 bucks and the new bonds are only paying $80, which is still really good, by the way, the uh, um, what do you think is going to happen to the bond you're holding? Its price is going to go up. You know, so and he he said he wasn't a stock fund; he was actually a capital appreciation fund. That's one of the reasons you need to read the prospectuses, <laughs> because if you didn't uh, read that, you wouldn't know. Not that it would have helped you a lot anyway, but it, it is good to know. I think the more you know about what your funds are doing, the more calm you'll be when you see declines. If you've gone back and looked at the performance on your funds during declines, that helps you. Helps me. I go back to it all the time. Actually, I'm doing it on a daily basis. And I'm typically showing clients, here, look, this is what we're doing. Here's what it's done over the past 10 years, you get to see a whole bunch of volatility over that time period. Still really good returns, still really uh, high relative to stock or relative to CDs. Now, at some point in time, CDs may, in fact, get to a point where we're going to do the Peter Lynch thing. Absolutely. If it gets to a point where interest rates are incredibly high, the uh, economy starts to stall out and the Fed's getting ready to cut and they're talking about cutting interest rates. Well, you know what? That might be a really good time to buy some treasury bonds uh, in your portfolio. It's not there yet. We're not even remotely close to that yet, but the uh, it down the road, you know, if we're going to learn anything from Peter and a lot of guys, a lot of people did a lot of that stuff. So, uh, you know, the asset allocation, um, funds actually most of those are run by computer today that that that's a little harder because they have a you know they've got these algorithms and they're only going to buy a certain like if you look at the bnd that's the uh, vanguard uh etf for the bond market 
been getting crushed. It's not getting beat nearly as badly as the 20-year TLT. That's an ETF that invests in long-term treasury bonds. Look how much that is down. You know, that's why this is important. You, you literally, you need to know this. The TLT has a higher yield. Its dividend is higher than most other things. That's not going to make you feel really good if it drops another 10 or 15 or 20%. You're getting a 3%, 3.5% dividend. Woohoo! So for 3.5% or 4% at the most, I think it's 3.5%. I'll, I'll have to double check that. Anyway, for a relatively low interest rate, you're going to risk 15 to 20% of your principal? That seems smart to you? Doesn't to me. And you know what? If all you were looking at was, hey, these are government bonds. Uh, when you put bonds in a fund, you just turned it into a stock. That's what you did. You didn't know it because you didn't listen to this show. <laughs> but when you put bonds into a fund, you've just turned it into a stock and it's going to fluctuate every single day. Not like a, you know, CDs and treasury bonds fluctuate, but they mature. They have a maturity date. And on that date, you know exactly what it's going to be. Okay. That's the big difference between using a bond fund and individual bonds. I would prefer the individual bonds if I could, if they're available and the interest rates are good on them. I'd much prefer that. But the, uh, if not, you need to, Really read those prospectuses. If you see a yield that's higher than two or three percent on a fund, you better read it really carefully because you don't know how much risk they're taking. So, again, one of the reasons I have a job. In fact, I was uh, just thinking about that the other day. I remember way back in the day when I was studying for the Series Seven. That's a license for stockbrokers, basically. And uh, half half of the tests was on bonds. Literally half the test was on bonds. I'm thinking, holy cow. So you're putting hedge funds, mutual funds, closed end funds, stocks, stocks in foreign countries. All of that makes up the other half. And then that half is on bonds. (laughs) That's how much material, that's how important that is. Yeah, in uh, today, nobody knows that stuff. It, they don't really talk a lot about it. There's not a lot of money to be made on a uh, an investment advisor sign about knowing that. And my philosophy is I'd like for you to know it because it's going to help you during those rough markets to ride them out. So you will make more money because you don't panic because you don't have all your money in stocks. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think they should probably have 60 or 70% of the test in bonds because you need to have bonds. You got to have some. I mean, it depends. I mean, if you're in your 20, if you're in your 40, let's say you're 45 or younger and you're looking at 20 years before you retire, eh, probably not so important. If you're above the age of, of 55, uh, you should probably have some bonds in your account unless you are a billionaire. No, Elon Musk doesn't need any treasury bonds. Yeah, uh, neither is Warren Buffett. Neither is uh, Jeff Bezos. Those guys, they can do whatever they want. They could actually just invest in a dividend-paying ETF and probably do better than 95% of the investments that they're holding right now, which I think is really funny. Actually, Warren Buffett's, you know, he's probably ahead of everybody else, but 
the other guys, it just blows my mind how somebody with a, a lot of money really doesn't know a whole lot about investing. And people think that rich people get rich because they uh, know a lot about investing. No, most rich people get rich because they do very well in a business, one, two, or three industries. And if you look at the the returns on a lot of their accounts, it's they're they're no better than anybody else. <laughs> it's a, it's just that they started out with a a whole lot of zeros behind the money. And if you've got a whole lot of zeros behind the money, anything over three percent looks really good. <laughs> And uh, I just think it's funny. I've seen a million uh, portfolios like that where, well, not a million, but I've seen a lot of portfolios, people who make a ton of dough in, in their fields, own big businesses. You look at what they're invested in, you're like, oh, wow, that's, uh, you're not doing nearly as well as the average Joe is. <laughs> and, uh, and it depends on the average Joe, by the way. The ones that listen to my show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, it's it's very difficult. It is, you know, and I don't mean I. I think sometimes uh, I come across as maybe too glib, but reality is it's tough, and I'd rather laugh than cry. That that's how I feel. I'd rather laugh about it than cry about it, and I know a lot of people don't feel that way, and I'm making all those people upset, the ones that aren't happy unless they're miserable. <laughs> Just kidding. I am just really off the rails today, but the uh, bottom line is, you know, tomorrow's if they keep printing money, where they are, sooner or later that money makes it into the market. Sooner or later that makes it into a uh, a box of Pampers. When you keep printing money, it's going to go into Pampers because they're going to raise prices on Pampers because their prices are going up, and they need to to defend their profit margin. Same thing with dishwasher fluid. You know, you look at Cascade. I, I forget. I think, is that made by Clorox? I don't know. Uh, Clorox makes a lot of cleaners. When they get the price increases, that's why, that's one of the reasons that price go up, prices go up. They're trying to protect their profit margin. And if they protect their profit margins and they have to raise prices, but there's enough money circulating because they've put it out into the circulation for people to be able to afford those things. And, and most people are going to probably wash their clothes. I'm, I'm assuming even if it gets, you know, economy gets really bad. <laughs> the uh, people are still going to eat. People are going to drive cars, uh, houses. They're going to buy housing. There are tons and tons of products, materials for all that stuff. That, that actually blows me away. Do you ever just go into a, a Lowe's or a Home Depot and walk around and look at the number of products that are in those stores or go to a Walmart. I mean, how on earth I'm so impressed that they can track all that, (laughs) that they track all that stuff. It just blows my mind and it blows my mind how many companies there are out there across the world that are making those things. So all that stuff has to be done. They've got to be able to do it. It's got to be, it's got to pay off for them. To be able to do that, otherwise they go out of business. And that's one of the things I, I kind of like about the market. The uh, it, it literally will pare down companies who aren't contributing. If they're not adding value, they have a tendency to go away. Occasionally a good company just has some bad luck and goes away. And okay, that's right. I've just got to note here, Cascade is a Procter, Procter & Gamble company. Product rather, yep. And by the way, the uh, 
Ivory Soap was one of the first uh, Procter & Gamble products, too. And I always laugh because I see ads coming from the 1890s for that. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's the world we live in. If you're there, uh, you know, I, one of the reasons I'm talking so much about this is because it's pretty necessary to defend against inflation. Uh, inflation has been better, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's kept up with by financial assets in stocks better than most other categories. It's done better than cash. It's done better than CDs over the, the super long run, although there is a place for all that stuff. It's done better than real estate over long time periods, but there's a place for real estate too. Everything's got its place. You just have to kind of get uh, together with somebody who can help you separate that stuff out and, or at least tell you where it is in your portfolios and that, yes, you are covered there and uh, try to keep you in balance with what your own tolerances for risk are. Uh, you really need to do that. And, and I, mean, I worked for years to get that questionnaire down to the point where, first of all, it's pretty blunt. How much of a decline are you willing to put up with? When you come up with that number, okay, stock market's been down more than 50% more than once in my lifetime. So that's the number we're going to use. You come up with a 25% decline tolerance, two times 25 is 50. You probably shouldn't have much more than 50% of your money in stocks. See how easy that is? You don't have to go through 50 pages of questionnaires. <laughs> you can just think about that really hard for about five or 10 minutes, come up with an answer. By the way, you can always change the answer too. I hear the music. That means they're getting ready to kick me out of here. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck, good investing. Go to my website at bullingtoncapital.com if you want to reach out to me. And uh, I'll talk to you again next week. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report. Broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420. The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.